Hello, and welcome to On Your Left, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she-them pronouns. I'm Narali Shath. I use she-her pronouns. We are in your podcast feeds every week, usually on Wednesdays, so please, please follow us, share with your friends, do all the good things you know how to do. Tweet at us if you have thoughts about what we say at On Your Left Pod. You can do all those things. So many things. Yeah. And if you really like us, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. It exists. Yeah. It exists. And I think it looks pretty cool. Be nice if someone threw us a, threw us a dollar. So um, should we get in with COVID news? Because we have quite a bit. We do have quite a bit of COVID news. Uh, I thought I would start with some domestic news. The FDA lifted its temporary pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine over concerns about an extremely rare blood clot. The vaccine now comes with a warning label about the disorder, which has been identified in 15 of the roughly 8 million people who received the vaccine. Wow, that's a very low number, considering the amount of people who've gotten it. It is a very low number. Uh, A person I was talking to earlier this week was a little bit concerned because they got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, I don't think it helped to tell them that it was a very low number of people who got it and pretty much everyone who showed up with this very rare blood clot was a woman between the ages of 18 and 49, which was not the profile that this cis black man who had a kid my age uh, fell into. But, you know, facts are nice. It's cool to know yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's great to know stuff. I think that's very important. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I know a couple people who also got the J&J vaccine and were concerned, but they also did not fit into that demographic. So, yeah, they're fine, as we expected them to be. Yeah, I think the concern is, like, understandable, but mostly I'm glad that all of these people, these 8 million people, were vaccinated and Mm -hmm. are okay and will hopefully not get COVID or experience any serious symptoms. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it for our domestic news. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to start our international COVID news? It's bad. Yeah, yeah, so... That, that 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 was like a nice note uh to start us off with but um downhill from here folks so um you might know that I'm Indian and I care a lot about what happens in India um and right now half of all new covid cases are in India in a massive surge that is extremely concerning Hospitals are full with patients dying, waiting in line to see doctors. People on Twitter are begging for beds with oxygen tanks. They're like, if anyone has a lead on where there's an empty bed with an oxygen tank, please let me know because we are getting desperate. Like that's, it's just really heartbreaking. Oxygen supplies are dangerously low. Things are really bad. And, um... After a lot of begging by a lot of people, the Biden administration announced 
um, the day we're recording, Sunday, April 25th, that to treat, to, to help treat COVID-19 patients and protect the frontline health workers in India, the U.S. has identified supplies of therapeutics, rapid diagnostic test kits, ventilators, and PPE that will be Im- made immediately available for India. Um, the U.S. is also pursuing options to provide oxygen generation and related supplies on an urgent basis. Um, they have not announced that they will be releasing any of the tens of millions of AstraZeneca vaccine doses that we have to India. They have stockpiled these vaccines, even though the FDA has not granted the company emergency use authorization yet. And Dr. Fauci told Reuters earlier this month that even if AstraZeneca gets emergency authorization, uh, the U.S. will likely not need it. So, like, there's literally no reason for us to be hanging on to these vaccines. Um, And yeah, it's like I've I don't think I've talked much on this podcast, but I've known for a while that surrounding COVID things in India are not great. The prime minister has not handled things well at all. They gave away more vaccines to other countries to prove their might than they kept. And um, now they're in that interesting position of having to be like, actually, we'll still need those and canceling shipments to poorer countries that yeah. they promised them to, which is always yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, and there's an there's a there's an India specific variant now that's similar to the UK variant, and that it gives you diarrhea, but it's it's really really bad. So yeah, it just it's it's just not good. It's really heartbreaking to watch, and it feels the same. It's the same exact stuff that happened in New York a year ago. That's happening now, and that was very preventable by the people in charge in India. But because there are people suffering in this situation, and the people that are suffering are not the same people that were in charge of figuring this stuff out, we should America should help the people that are suffering, and that's what's happening. And I really hope they release the vaccine so that we can help the people suffering. Yeah. Um, this is like the most immediate thing we could do. I also hope yeah. that we actually find a way to provide oxygen generation and oxygen supplies because yeah. they're just, there are way too many people dying and I don't have family in Asia, uh, but it's because it's gotten to the point where I... Who admittedly mostly follow people in the US, Canada, and the UK. I'm seeing a lot of just people begging for help in India. And that's how I know it's gotten real, real bad. Yeah, it's I mean, I know I know last time I was talking about like the regional Twitter accounts here for like getting your COVID appointments, but like just in general, the people of a country should not be relying on Twitter.com to get life-saving help. Yeah, I do not trust Jack Dorsey enough to provide this service. Yeah. Um. Like, it's just really sad, and people are dying. And that's, that, that is, it is what it is at the moment. 
there's nothing we as individuals can do other than push our governments to help other people and to care about other people. I've heard some people compare to this to the Bengal famine of the 1940s. Because we have the power to do something about it. And up until today, we just haven't. And as of today, we're just kind of saying that we're going to help, but haven't helped yet, which isn't that much better. Yeah, and um, they... And you can also push the government to release the patents on the vaccines, on mRNA procedures to develop vaccines. Like that is, like I and and you can also tell the U.S. government, especially, to stop stockpiling supplies to make the vaccines, because that's also happening. We are at the point now. Uh where every American is eligible for a vaccine, there are open appointments, we have what we need to get people vaccinated. And we're also seeing in a lot of areas of the United States, particularly uh, as we discussed, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, a lot of Trump counties um, and a lot of men are not getting the vaccine. And we are, and in those areas, we have more supplies than we have demand. And yes, we should absolutely work to convince these people to get vaccinated to protect themselves and their communities. But in the meantime, people are literally dying. So we can just give them the vaccine because they want it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just like, I was, I will admit, I was a little bit America first about vaccinations. When it came to U.S. aid, like in my mind, I was like, let's let's help ourselves before, you know, helping everyone else a little bit. I will admit that. But at this point, we we did help ourselves. Two hundred thousand people have been vaccinated in America. Or two hundred thousand doses have been given. I don't remember which what what the two hundred thousand was, but, but Joe Biden's goal was at that a hundred thousand, and he he surpassed that goal by one hundred percent. So, uh, I have maybe great or terrible news for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a hundred million. Oh, a hundred million. And it's two hundred thousand. Thousand yeah. million. So it said we we're at two hundred million. Yeah. So okay, so two hundred million people have been vaccinated yeah. or have received uh, one or both vaccines, if as needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. According to yeah. uh, I meant million first... said thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I got your back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, according to. Googling how many people are vaccinated in U.S. and reading the first result from NPR on April 18th, about one third of all adults in the United States are fully vaccinated. And I trust NPR. I don't want to look further into this. Yeah. No. And um, that's enough. But that's that's a lot of people to have been vaccinated. We're good. We have a vaccine rollout plan that we beat. Like our goals were surpassed by an insane amount, and that is partially because of the stockpiling and because we 
hoarded our resources when we maybe shouldn't have. But, like, we're fine now. We're, we're now at the point where we can seriously begin to help other people. Yeah. And should we have doing this before? Probably. Probably. But we could definitely start doing it now. Yeah, the best the best time to do it was before. The second best time is now. So let's just do it and help other people, please. I'm, I don't want to see people begging for help online. I hate it. I hate seeing that. And we see it for a lot of different things, but for this especially, it's extremely preventable. Yep. We just so. need to stop hoarding our resources and help everyday people. Yep. And speaking of hoarding resources, today our main topic is CEO pay. Yeah. Look, last week we said that we never get to talk about leftist policies because yeah. the police keep shooting people and we talk about that instead because yeah. we're brown and it's important and race is important. But today we get to talk about class policy, and I'm so excited. It's so great. I love it. <laughs> I'm so happy. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um. I hate that this is our, like, good, happy thing. Because it's just people aren't, aren't directly dying. They're just yeah. indirectly dying as a result of this. Yeah, I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But okay, uh, I don't think it's a surprise to any of our listeners to say that 2020 was a terrible year, not just for like global health, but also for our economy. How do I know that? Because a Republican neighbor put up a sign saying that we were destroying our demo our democracy and economy. And when they said we, they meant Democrats. Uh, so they were a Democrat? They were identifying themselves as a Democrat? Yeah, it, it was a very confusing sign, but under it, it said Trump. So, like, I'm just going to assume some things about them. So so was he saying that Trump is destroying the democracy? And I am was, that's so, so funny. confused. It, that's so amusing. And also just encapsulates everything about that era of america doesn't it yeah there were a lot of messaging issues uh that i want to talk <laughs> to him about but i feel like it was like he printed a trump tweet and then had a sign made of it because it made no sense but i understood what he was trying to say yeah <laughs> um but yeah 2020 sucked uh millions of people struggled to make ends meet during the pandemic Child poverty went up, food insecurity went up, unemployment went up, and we spent the whole last year just trying to survive. And for some reason, many of the companies hit hardest in 2020 due to the pandemic gave their executives lavish bonuses on top of their already high pay. Because why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I have a... Three three or four examples here. I think we're going to do... Uh, I'll do the first one. You want to switch back and forth? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So here's a list of people we hate personally. Or at least I hate personally. Uh, so you might remember 
at the beginning of 2020, we were talking a lot about Boeing, who had their 737 planes <laughs> grounded after not one, but two deadly crashes that killed hundreds of people. And yep. then their business was decimated by the pandemic because uh, people just weren't flying as much. All of All of every airline and every part of the economy related to flight had a hard hit. And the company announced plans to lay off 30,000 workers, reported a $12 billion loss, but somehow Boeing CEO David Calhoun, who I hate now, made $21.1 million last year. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forgot about the plane crashes until I was researching this. That's just how much has happened in the last... God knows. Time is fake. Time is so fake. Um, so, um, the Norwegian Cruise Line, which, like, it's such a random company. They lost $4 billion and furloughed 20% of its staff during the pandemic because, um, remember the beginning of the pandemic when, like, a bunch of people on a cruise ship were just stuck on it? Um, (laughs) they all got COVID and then people still want to go on cruises now. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. But um, that none of that stopped Norwegian from doubling the pay of its chief executive, Frank Del Rio, which just sounds it sounds like a name out of The Sopranos. I'm sorry. It does. Um, and um, oh, gosh, what a fun tune. Thirty six point four million dollars. And. I'm sorry, they just, they doubled his pay. He was already making an obscene amount, and they decided 2020 was the year to double that? He was making $18.2 million, and then they doubled it to $36.4 million. No, that's not right. That's, um, gosh. Can I just get, like, a fraction of his paycheck? Just for having to read that, like, I, I like, my paycheck is not that, and I, I would... am, I will accept the point four million if we just want to round down his pay. Yeah, and I, I'd be more than happy than splitting point two and point two. If you're happy splitting point two and point two, that's two hundred thousand dollars each. Yeah, that is more than I intend to make over the next decade. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> well, now I'm sad. I am just like mildly in shock. So, um, I really got to finish writing this novel of mine so it can become an ultra bestseller and, um, and I can make a fraction of that amount of money because I'm not going to make that amount of money. Yeah, Leah Johnson just got her first royalty payment and paid off her student loans. Can you imagine? That's awesome for her. I'm so happy for her. Wow, such a good book. Such a good book. Uh, Okay. Anyways, back to the evils of the world. Uh, My older sister works for a hotel company. Which one? I don't know. But a specific hotel company, Hilton... Uh, laid off nearly a quarter of their corporate staff, and staff was laid off in hotels all around the world because they were empty. 
because nobody was traveling because we all decided to stay home to protect each other. Uh, and a lot of the people that work in hotels and the hospitality and the hospitality industry are women, particularly women of color. Uh, Hilton as a company lost $720 million, but its chief executive, Chris Nassetta, received compensation worth $55.9 million in 2020. Once again, we will accept him rounding down to that cool $55 million and just giving the point nine to us. <sighs> That'd be cool. 450k each? Like, yeah. I'm down. I'm I'm okay with having that amount of money. <laughs> I just um, feel like these people don't think they make a lot of money. They really they, the they have a victim complex. That's the thing about about billionaire billionaires and like ultra millionaires. They have a victim complex about this stuff. They think that they think they think because they make so much money they shouldn't be taxed and because they worked hard they shouldn't be taxed and it's like Gosh, I just, I don't even know. I don't know. I've met every garb, any garbage man I've ever met, I think probably does a much harder job than I do. Yeah. Uh, any teacher who has to be around children, because, yeah, children are great and I like them in small doses and maybe one-on-one, -on -one, but 30 of them? We should tax the rich and pay those people more. I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking about how much that, like, 0.9, how many people that 0.9 in that 55.9 million could have paid their entire year. Yeah. That's $900,000 that could have been split among quite a few people to make them last a year. It could have, if only we tax them. Eight of the ten wealthiest people in the world are men who founded or ran tech companies in the United States, and each has grown billions of dollars richer this year as we have stayed home and fucked around on the internet <laughs> this entire time. Um, we are forced to use Amazon Web Services because very few websites in America don't use Amazon Web Services. We are... I mean, I'm just addicted to Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to continue to Google things. I know this benefits a billionaire who's getting wealthier. But I don't... What am I going to do? Use Bing? I, Bill Gates I also to, doesn't deserve my money. I have to use WhatsApp to be in touch with my family in India. That's Facebook. And again, I am just so addicted to Twitter. It's it's really bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, that makes us really easy to reach, so you should probably follow us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think I make good tweets. So. And can I add one more thing about a specific billionaire? Elon Musk is going to be hosting SNL this Saturday. And um I just I just wanted to express some frustration. So this is me expressing frustration about that. About A SNL once again um platforming a douchebag. Um and B like just enjoy your billions of dollars. My god. You have a kid. Spend time with your kid. 
why do you need to host SNL? Why do you need a platform? I just, oh, God. I don't know why SNL wouldn't just book Miley Cyrus as the host and musical guest. It's Miley Cyrus. She's great. She's a great actor and a great singer. Do both. Yeah. She's done it before. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to have to think about Elon Musk any more than I already do. Yeah. Which is almost never, but somehow also too often. Yeah, thanks to Hank Green, it's a bit more than I would expect for myself. Because he thinks about Elon Musk a lot. Which is why is he like that? I just... uh, Aside from Elon Musk's... (laughs) weirdness uh (laughs) one unfun fact is that ceos of big companies now make on average 320 times as much as typical workers at the companies they run and that's grown a lot in 1989 the year taylor swift was born that ratio was 61 to 1 and from 1978 to 2019 Compensation for typical workers grew only 14%, but it rose 1,167% for CEOs, which is maybe too much when compared to 14. What did they what do they even do with that much money? That's like my that like okay, buy a bunch of nice houses in a bunch of cool places, buy cool cars. Buy some fancy art, and then what? You're still left with a ton of money. What do you do with it? I've been asking that question my whole life. What do, what do these guys do? I'm so confused as to what these guys do with their money. I mean, they could be, like, paying their workers a living wage, and instead... But they're not. They don't. Yeah. Here's why this is important, and it's a very, very simple reason. We cannot use the pandemic to reinforce the economic inequality that existed before the pandemic. We all saw that what we were doing does not work and makes public health situations worse. So we have the opportunity now to change things and make them less terrible. Yeah. And if if the pandemic is considered an act of God that um, justifies laying off thousands of workers and fundamental changes in industries, I don't understand why it can't also justify paying executives less. Why do some people get to lose their living and other people don't? People lost so many jobs. So many people lost jobs and livelihoods. Yeah. I think if I had to choose between, like, getting, I don't know, keeping 30 or 50 people employed or paying myself a couple extra million dollars, I would probably want to support other people. I wouldn't want to, once again, as the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line did, get double my pay? After forcing a ton of people to leave their jobs. And look, I'm not saying that cruise lines are an industry that's going to stick around. It might not. Uh, But I think it'd be a lot better to take care of your employees and your communities 
instead of doubling the pay of your CEO. Like, if if this guy kept his pay and then the cruise industry just completely tanked and, like, everyone and, like, the entire, like, he didn't have a job anymore, he would still be fine for the rest of his life. You can't say that for the workers on the ground level. There are fundamentally two ways we can act to decrease income inequality. Uh, the first thing is we can call Congress in support of the Ultra Millionaire Tax Act, which is backed by Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Congresswoman Jayapal, for you know some names. Um, and this would tax fortunes larger than $50 million and would bring in at least $3 trillion in tax revenue over the next 10 years without raising taxes on 99.95% of American households. That's a lot of money that would ben- that could benefit a lot of people. Imagine, I don't know, uh, to speak to Jeff Bezos specifically here, Jeff Bezos, imagine getting taxed. But then having better roads and bridges for your Amazon fleets to run on? Imagine having healthcare for your employees so you don't actually have to pay it out of pocket and coming out of your profit, but instead coming out of the personal wealth of taxing other rich people and having all of us care for each other? Oh my god! Wouldn't that be so random and weird and something you could support and all of Congress would just immediately listen to you because you're worth like a billion billion dollars oh Oh my god bezos maybe you should totally do that (laughs) uh and uh you can also of course call congress in support of the raise the wage act which would raise the federal minimum wage to 15 dollars um, and then automatically adjust the minimum wage in the future to correspond with median wage growth. The Raise the Wage Act would also address income inequality by eliminating sub-minimum wages for people with disabilities and tipped workers. So, yeah, um, the way disabled people are treated by the government is horrendous, and this would fix a little bit of that, and also the way... Workers in tipped industries like restaurants are also treated like just absolutely terribly because they rely on tips to make their living instead of their actual paycheck. So this would be great. I think it would be great. This would be great. We've all been to a restaurant. We've seen the way people treat waiters and waitresses. Heck, we've seen... Any TV show that has a waitress in it. Mm-hmm. If you have ever worked any kind of service job ever, you want this. Yeah. Everyone knows that we don't pay these people enough to live on. And that customers aren't actually generous enough to make up the difference. And we shouldn't be relying on our customers and clients to make up for the fact that we don't pay our workers enough yeah it's ridiculous and also as you call also if you're if you end up at a restaurant of some sort tip your tip please tip (laughs) i know i know this should go without saying but oh my god please tip yeah just please do I don't even have anything else I can say. Just don't 
Don't be a person that doesn't tip. At least 15%. At least 15%, if not more. And if you have more, give more. It's fine. I don't know. The, uh... There's a family that runs my favorite diner, and they they are they are running a diner uh, while they are fasting for Ramadan. And let me just tell you, that sounds like the worst job possible. So yes, even though my bill is small, I'm just gonna round up to twenty dollars because the they've been consistently nice to us. And also, we've gotten to the point where they recognize my phone number and what, know what our orders are, and I don't want to mess that up by being at any point rude to them. Oh, that's lovely. I love I love when a place just knows you. Oh, that's so great. I'm very afraid of making them mad because they held so much power over my life. <laughs> Where else am I gonna- am I just gonna get breakfast from somewhere else? Come on. I mean, you could always... Make... This is ridiculous. Don't be silly. <laughs> I chopped- I chopped an onion and a tomato today to, to help with dinner, and I was so proud of myself. I'm proud of you, too. I didn't cry. While chopping the onion. It was great. Meanwhile, billionaires get to get to have people do that for them. Oh, the train. The oh, train. I hope those people get paid well from by their billionaires. I have well I would love to have a personal chef someday. And based on what I just said about how I treat the people at a diner that I'm now <laughs> only getting takeout from because I respect them too much to eat there in person. <laughs> I have to assume they treat their personal chefs well. That person holds too much power over your life. One would hope. One would hope. They might you not. You never know. Uh, man. If you're a personal and, chef and you're listening to this, call in or email or tweet, whatever. Yeah, spill all of the tea. Yes. Okay. Right, uh, moving on to good news instead of our fantasies of having other people cook for us. <sighs> Derek Chauvin, the former police officer who murdered George Floyd, was found guilty on all counts. It's no longer just alleged or just the killing of George Floyd. It is Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. Like, where people are allowed to say that out. News outlets are allowed to say the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's a little bit weird because it's like, yes, of course he was murdered. A 17-year-old child filmed it all so that we could see this man getting murdered by the police. Um, I don't know. I think as someone who raises and cares for a little uh, black and Asian boy who, uh, let's be honest, looks more black than Asian, uh, this gave me a little bit of hope that he might survive. Not a lot of hope. 
gonna be honest, but a little bit, and I'm I'm gonna take yeah. it. I'm gonna take holding this officer accountable as hope. Yeah. And then we're gonna change the whole system because they are we are not letting the cops who did not arrest Derek Chauvin get away with this, or the cops that didn't stop Derek Chauvin from killing George Floyd get away with this. We are not letting any of these killer cops go free. We're done mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah, so he was found guilty on all counts, and it was it was lovely. And, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because we've talked a little bit about the, the prison industrial complex and how bad it is. But, like, the vindictive part of me is just so happy this man is going to prison. See, my favorite thing is that, uh, so, the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, the, uh, the jury announced their decision on April 20th, 2021, mm-hmm. or is commonly known, 420, 420. A day where companies talk about legalizing weed even though they drug test their employees, and where activists call for getting every single person in jail on a marijuana charge out of jail because either the law was wrong and uh, we should never have been arresting people for the possession of marijuana or the law was right and we never should have legalized it. However, uh, we did. It's done. Get these people out of jail. Pardon them. Do not let them suffer in a terrible system that harms communities of colors by over-policing them. Yeah, some people were were just barely kids just or like barely adults and had maybe a dime bag of weed on them and were put in for 15 years or something. Like they were the the punishment did not fit the crime at all and it's horrifying and it's like this one time a cop who murdered someone is found guilty. <laughs> it's it yeah, it's just I don't know. It's a good thing. Uh, I don't think this means that the system is, like, working because if the system were working, George Floyd never would have died. But this is the first time I remember a cop ever getting held accountable for killing someone. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about how cops have been killing people for forever. We all Yeah. always. Oh, man. Yep. Yep. So, um, should we talk about the other good thing? Yeah, let's talk about the other good thing that doesn't have all of these, like, caveats at the end of it. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I I do have a little caveat written in there, but, um, the House just voted to make Washington, D.C. the 51st state in the Union, which would make it the first black majority state, um, and that's, that's an asterisk on the black majority part. According to census.gov, it is 46% black, 46% white, but also the Hispanic and Latino population is 11.3% and two or more races is 2.9%. So there is overlap, which would at least make it a person of color majority state, if not a black majority state. Um, And... 
Yeah, I think it's great. I think the people of Washington, D.C. deserve to have statehood. Um, The Senate bill, unfortunately, will most likely be filibustered by Republicans and create an impossible two-thirds majority to get get it across the finish line. But this is a starting point, I think. Um, there, like, there are so many people of color in Washington, D.C. that do not have representation. Um, if, uh, I mean, January feels like forever ago now, but on January 6th, um, when armed people stormed the Capitol, Washington, D.C. could not call the National Guard because they were not a state. I don't know. It seems like they're the ones who deserve most to call the National Guard. Yeah. So, like, that's 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 one thing that I think I think Republicans are failing to consider, or maybe they are considering it and are like, "Well, they were Republicans doing it, so we'll get away, let them get away with it." But the main reason Republicans do not want this to go through is that it would mean two more Senate seats for Democrats, essentially, at this point in time. And I don't know, not, I mean, yes, likely that will be the outcome, but I don't know. I don't think that's a good enough reason to deny my grandparents the right to vote and have representation in Congress. Yes, I'm biased. I love my grandma and grandpa. (laughs) I think they should get to vote for like more than just the president. Yeah. Um, But like a lot of Republican talking points have been using white fear of minorities uh, in order to like push the fact that push the point that D.C. shouldn't be a state. But, like, there are other majority-minority states. As of July 2019, there are six, including Hawaii, the only state that has never been white majority, New Mexico, California, Texas, Nevada, and Maryland. And I don't think we can argue that all of those states are necessarily under control of the Democratic Party because Texas is on it. Yeah. New Although Mexico's I, a swing state. I, I do think maybe Democrats, like the, the capital D Democratic Party, should um, pay a little more attention to Texas and New Mexico than they are. <laughs> um, I think the capital D Democratic Party needs a lot of change, though, so. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just don't think, uh, if you want to argue against... DC statehood, which I already think is a dumb thing to argue against. But if you're gonna do it, you need something more reliable than like white panic. Yeah. It's 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 a combination of white panic and saying, well, we don't want Democrats to have the majority. And like, I just wanna be I, like then convince them to vote for you. Yeah. Just convince, convince other people. But that's the thing, they can't. They don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. We live in a democratic republic. If you want people to vote for you, give them a reason to vote for you. And if not, (laughs) shut up and let them vote anyways. I think shut up and let them vote anyways is a great way to put it. Especially when it comes to all the voter suppression stuff. (laughs) Oh, much. So much. Uh, thank you for our good news today. I guess yeah. it was a little bit sadder than usual, but still good. 
I think, yeah, I, like these are steps that are happening that aren't like two years ago. If you had asked me if these were steps that would have been taken, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> no, I didn't even believe that Derek Chauvin would get convicted with everything stacked against him. I was pretty sure that dude was going to go free. Uh, I mean, Derek Chauvin thought he was going to go free. Did you see the look on his face during the conviction? I did. I watched so it live, and it was Me amazing. Too. I, I just caught the last moment when when the, the jurors were saying guilty, 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 and he was just like... His uh, eyes were wide. <laughs> uh, what's our mango fact today? So today, it, it's not a fact so much as it is a work of art. I'm reading you a mango poem today. It is called The Jaguar and the Mango by Jose Hernandez Diaz. Um, and there is a dedication for Laura Villarreal. Um, and here's the poem. A mango fell from a tree into a jaguar's paws. It was late summer. The jaguar devoured the fruit and ran into the ocean. The ocean was turquoise like the August sky. The jaguar swam underwater for a few minutes. It smiled beneath the waves. Later, clouds began to form. The sun became veiled by the clouds. It began to rain. The jaguar swam a little bit more, but then exited the water. It walked back to the jungle for 20 minutes in the rain. When the jaguar arrived on its turf, it climbed a tree. It climbed up a tree and fell asleep. The moon looked like a summer mango. And that's the poem. That's our mango poem. I like when the moon looks like a mango. Me too. Uh, thank you so much for our mango fact. And also, thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more from us and hang out with us throughout the week, you can find me at Katrina Ames on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. Where can we find you, Narali? You can find me uh, at Firewood Sparkler on Twitter and YouTube and Twitch and TikTok. I, I made a TikTok a couple days ago. That happened. Um, so I guess TikTok again. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you can also find us at On Your Left Pod on Twitter. And you can tweet at us. Um, personal personal chefs to billionaires especially. Um, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on your left pod or our bookshop website, bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod, where we have a bunch of book recommendations, really excellent book, book recommendations. So highly recommend you check that out. And, um, if you purchase a book through that link, we will, uh, benefit from it a little bit. So you'd be supporting us and also reading great books. So highly recommend you do that. Uh, this has been the On Your Left Pod, all about taxing the rich. Yes.